Everyone knows you should never take a physicist to a sci-fi movie. The same can be said about a biologist and a creature feature. We can point out how certain things are biologically unlikely or downright impossible, but that would be boring. So rather than pointing out what can't happen, why not ask ourselves, what if it was real? So using my super nerd levels of knowledge about biology, physics, and mythical creatures, my friends and I will explore how different creatures could have actually evolved on our planet and what they potentially would look like. Good evening, everybody. Uh, this is your host, Mac. I'm Mike. And I'm Dean. And today we shall be talking about a kind of more confusing topic today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Holdra. Holdra. So uh, I'm going to start with you, Mike, just because it's going to be funnier for me. Okay. What do you know about the Holdra? Well, I'm going to start with Hail Holdra. Um, I know absolutely two things about the Holdra, Jack and Squat. Until we, until Dean brought up the subject last week, I had no idea that this was even a thing. And I tend to know, like, I will say this. I don't know a lot about Scandinavian myth. I, I know some of the more um, blatant ones, especially around Christmas time. What with their, what with their Yule lads and their Yule cats, where if you don't get it, the Yule cats, interesting. Yeah. You don't get a, you don't, if you don't get a new pair of clothes, the Yule cat will get you at Christmas. I was like, which is very interesting because I'm like, yeah. isn't that more of a thing for about on parents than kids? Yeah. Oh, even worse, their creation myth is amazing. It was all spurted out from a cow. Okay, Dean, what do you know about the Holdra? From my memory, it is a young woman with a cow's tail and a hole in her back. I think she's sort of a, ni a dryad. I might be getting that wrong, but or at least the hole in her back look uh, to me. Uh, I always imagined it as like a hole in a tree sort of thing. And I don't know if she has cow ears and a horn, but I thought that was part of the myth. I looked up a, a couple different um, sources and stuff like that. Uh, there, there's a YouTuber called Anna Bridgeland, and she did one about the Holdra. And then there's another one. Oh, actually, they're both the same from the same person, but one's like uh, a way longer of a video. <laughs> yeah, Anna Bridgeland. Yeah, uh, B R I D G L A N D. Anna, or it's or it's Anna. But uh, I watched. Two videos with that and um but yeah the wiki holder or holdra is a seductive force creature found in scandinavian folklore her name is derived from root or from a root meaning covered or secret so it uh basically if you translate it it's like the hidden folk if you go for the holdra folk uh which very uh plays in much for our uh like different fey and everything else the hidden yeah. folk and it was kind of interesting because I always like it when, like, you know, these things probably existed before Christianity was introduced. But uh, how uh, the Holdra were made, I guess would be the only way to say it, was that this woman was uh, only bathed half her, half her kids, but she knew that God was coming for a visit. So she hid the other half of her kids because she didn't want God to think that she was, you know, lazy or anything like that. 
but you know god is all knowing so he knew that uh those children are uh, being hidden and he was like well all those children that are hidden will be f- hidden forever i'm like oh i didn't associate the holdra with the hidden folk yeah because i know about hidden folk from lore and those were primarily human-like elves yeah uh that is also in the norse mythology like very similar root words the holder may be connected with the german holda which is germanic fairy lore yeah the holda 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 and the hidden folk there are so many different hidden folk or uh little folk or everything else we've talked about this with Mm -hmm. the fae that it's very hard to be like this is where it comes from and that's why i said it's i find it very interesting that they're like that it was uh, associated with christianity in that context i'm like it's probably older than christianity but it's so interesting because they're like normally when you have like these stories it's like oh we're gonna explain this natural phenomenon oh uh why it's thundering is because god's bowling yeah but i'm like they're explaining something that lack of a better word doesn't exist and that's the weirdest thing that they're like how are you why are you explaining this like you're explaining away something that we don't have and i always love that because it's like well did we or whereas there's something interesting and like where did this idea come from like all this other stuff like that fast like i i want to go back in time just so i can just watch people in many aspects because i'm like i want to know what the heck people were thinking back then this doesn't make any sense yeah well i think part of it is because you want to explain stuff it's one of the more interesting aspects is that at least even looking at some of them you get these weird variations on the holder um just because some of them look very human some of them look almost satyr-esque with like with like cow legs with cow legs and a tail and depending on what it is, it's they look entirely human. They um, look like they have a horse tail or a cow tail or they have lynx ears. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they don't even have a hole in their back. I don't know if you're going to get into this sooner or not, but what is with the hole in their back? Because No idea. I couldn't find any like why. Well, actually. It's explaining why some tree huggers want to have sex with trees with holes in them. Ew. You know, the sexy butt trees? I don't have a thing for the uh, sexy butt trees. Dean might actually be right about that in some way. Because it says that they lose the hollow in their back and their tail if they if they marry a human man. Yeah. After they lure a human man, why why would you lose that? Like, what is there? Uh, so in that part of the story, it's um yeah. because they get married and they gain a soul. Because so they become Christian. So it's yeah. sort of like the mer- uh, Little Mermaid thing. Yes. Oh, uh, so a lot of these stories, um, like like I said, it's a lot of these stories are reinterpreted probably after Christianity was um, introduced because a lot of them are like that's kind of what they want is they lure men so that they can gain a soul. Interesting. And like, I always find that very yeah, it's very interesting and very it's like okay, that's cool and. Uh, so I and there is like no like oh holdra are bad or anything like that stories because there are ones where they they are helpful to farmers they are helpful to uh, yeah. charcoal burners that one was very specific they're like if you 
fall asleep if you're a charcoal burner and you fall asleep the holdra will wake you up before there's a fire interesting yeah and this uh one... Oh. And but but they are also known for their cow rearing and like so if you marry um, a holdra in this context a holdra are generally considered female be- the the beautiful ones are uh, always considered the females because um, okay. the holder holder folk males are tr- look like trolls okay yeah and um, so yeah they are. They're known for like having really big and fat cows. So if you marry one, you get those cows in your family and like they will help the entire village. So it's actually also encouraged in some folklore to go and find these um, women. Yeah. And so this is also a common trope in a lot of like um, fae, fair folk that they are always trying to find. The only way I can say is fresh breeding stock. And yeah. that's why they always are trying to lure people or like do changelings and stuff like that. Sometimes you know, like you'll have like these people that are like um, in these stores that they have different colored skin or something. I couldn't exactly say that there was any holder folk where they're like blue skinned, but they did have like blue livestock. Uh, so it made me uh, look into the blue Fugates, F-U-G-A-T-E-S. They were a family from in Kentucky. That did a lot of inbreeding Hmm. uh, to the point that their skin was blue. Not like you holding your breath blue. I mean, like actually blue, blue. Well, uh, so two things on that. Part of it uh, is uh, the inbreddedness of the 1% of America, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the old families and whatnot. And they were called blue bloods. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't want anybody else to have some of their money. And then uh, going back to yours of Appalachian type interbreeding. Yeah. There's a book. Uh, There's two books that I see. There's the novel, uh, The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek, where it describes a fictional version of the Fugate family during the Great Depression. And then in 2021, Blue Skinned Gods by uh sj sindhu references the family in kentucky with the the book woman of troublesome creek is that's what you're talking about okay yep yeah but yeah these so yeah these people's skin were like was literally blue and uh so i always find that so it's like maybe that's why they are are always trying to steal people which is kind of shady you know you know rather than actually you know trying to have people get to know them and like, you know, show how nice of a person they are. No, no, I'm just going to kidnap you. Well, and I was actually going to bring that up because here's what I find to be very interesting. Like you were talking about the idea of if they get married, they, you know, lose their tails. Like they lose their tails and the hole in their back gets filled. Um, It also says in at least one of the myths, the Holdra does marry a man, does marry a man in a church in the name of God. Mm. She also will turn into an ugly woman, but she will gain the strength of 10 men. <laughs> so I am now very intrigued by, because like so much of what I'm seeing about the Holdra are, they are, they fall very heavily into that, obviously very heavily into that fey category mm-hmm. because they are both troublemakers and nice people. Yes depending on which t- part of the story you want to have them be in. 
or it's uh, how you treat them. Because that's a lot of yeah. things with the Fae. It's like, if you treat them right, they're going to treat you right. Mm-hmm. But if yep. you screw with them, they're going to screw with you. Was I right that they're associated with uh, trees, or is that something that in some of the in, uh, in some of the translations, um, they're uh, the hidden folk and or the tree folk? It depends on because there is one version. It's the this was she was known as um, Skogoros. No, go, Sko. It's Scandinavian, so I'm. Uh, S A S K O G S R A with a circle over it. That would be Skogora. Oh, Skogora. Uh, and that one translates to four spirit. And then there's the Talimera. And that's uh, Pine Tree Mary. So, yeah, there is an association with both trees and hidden in the. How did you um, spell that? The S K O G S R A. The A has a circle over it. Okay. Kogsrote. Yeah. Kogsrote. That's, yeah, and that's a tricky one. Yeah. Uh, Swedish, there's the Udra, or no, Ud, Uda in Skolsgorat. Yep. And yeah, Skolsgorat. Oh, and sometimes they, other than cow, they have fox tails. Yep. If you, yeah, just uh, audience, just look them up on uh, Wikipedia and they have, oh, yeah, geez. there's a whole huge. Entry well, it's actually not all That's, that huge. Uh, we're we're not trying to get people to go to Wikipedia. We're trying to give them the data now. Yeah, but uh, I'm going to butcher all these words. Uh well, fine. I I will say this though: it's so rare to see uh, like it's so rare to see them also come up in Sami folk folklore as well, because mm-hmm. there are people who really don't get a lot of play outside of their own culture. Yeah, I all the culture, yeah. the native the the native people of scandinavia yep but my original introduction to them was this really nice animated movie on netflix called klaus klaus is really good i was just looking at well i was kind of looking back at the whole because i'm really curious if i can find anything about this idea of the hollowed out back and it depends on the story yeah, some of the stories are it's because it's a lot of times what it is is to have that they have something that's not human. Yeah. As like a way of like, oh, you can trust these people because they don't have anything weird about them. It's yeah, I think it's kind of things with like othering and stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe. Well, and I would argue that that's true, because if the answer is that their back gets filled in when they marry a good Christian man with a soul. Yeah. You know, that would be then the idea of completeness. Yeah. So then they lose a lot of that animal. They lose a lot of that animality of them and then become human. Yeah. It it. Yeah. It's a metaphorical thing. The whole they have a hole in their back that is, you know, not where their soul should be. It's they're getting. Yeah. Their two spines fuse back into one spine. Well, because at least the describer of in the one myth that I just found, like specifically describes it as a rotting tree trunk. Yeah, like a rotting tree trunk. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very much the idea of like something is clearly broken in this creature. Yeah. Uh, just the it's it's uh, amazing what we will do to other uh, to make something again, fear the other. Yeah. Why? So much of the myth and legend leads to fearing the other. 
Well, if you think about it, it's uh, when you think of, so st statistically speaking, you're more likely to be hurt by somebody that you know, you know, uh, all that stuff. Danger, stranger but, danger isn't really the real concern. It's yeah. the creepy uncle that you yeah. sort of know and but trust it's still because that he's whole family. Of community and everything else that so they you know you have to insulate yourself because you don't know what's going to happen if you have other people come in because they could also bring in new diseases and all this other stuff it's tribalism there's this small island i forget where it is uh it's in it's in europe proper but it's an island that every every couple uh People would visit the island and deliver things to the island periodically throughout the year, but their their immune system would or uh, so somebody would come with a shipment. The people would get off the boat, do their thing, and then get on the boat and leave. And this island would end up having a mass flu spread through the community and afterwards after somebody visited and then their bodies would get immune to that particular strain of flu and then another person would uh, another shipment would come like like i said it's like every couple of months but their their bodies would get rid of the flu and the flu would become extinct there um but then they'd have another because they're an island they need to have things shipped to them yeah but it's well it's just like flu season period for everybody it's yeah new variant that comes around and bam everybody gets it but it's one of it's like i said it's an isolated community and they are actually able to get rid of the flu because they it burns through and their bodies become immune to it and then it dies off because it has nobody else to fester in and then another person comes and like clockwork mm -hmm. so i know that's it's interesting but i'm very curious gonna be off on another tangent now but i'm very curious about the idea of fear the other and that could partially be why it's more of those things happen with people we know because obviously we have a version we have a trust in those around us but then you know the the hope is that the community as a whole would then rise up against the one who's like you're hurting us but in so many of those communities because they just want to they want to keep it quiet it's um so there's there's a couple different groups that you can blame for all the uh catholic priest things it's it is the church the church was uh hiding all this stuff all that but there are a lot of communities that would also uh there's a lot of communities that would just like not report that the priest did this because it was their priest so they're like well and they would come together and shelter them uh, it's kind of like uh if you watched um midnight mass on netflix yeah uh, and they had it that there was that just that one priest that was been there forever and he has dementia and everything else. And they're like, we know he, there's something wrong, but like, no, we're not going to, but they're not going to get a new priest. Yeah. So they're like, well, we're stuck with them. So we're going to protect them. So nobody takes them. Yeah. And I, I think part of it is it's 
that thing of you, you don't expect the you never expect the threat to come from within, yeah. even though because why would you? Yeah, I trust but it's that yeah. I know this person. Yeah, I've but it just feels my, like my life. Yeah, but it always feels like the loaded statistic. My sister and I were talking about this on our way to Oshkosh for a, you know, for a nice meal. And we we're talking about the idea of your, you know, accidents happen within five miles of your house. And I said, how often do you drive more than five miles from your house? It's not like unless you're unless your job has you commuting 15, 20 miles, you're mostly going to be within that five mile radius. This was the best. Like, I kind of wish they didn't delete this scene, but it was on Dumb and Dumber. It was a great deleted scene where uh, they're like five miles, 20, 20 or five miles away from their house or their apartment. And um, uh, the blonde one uh, takes off his seatbelt. And he was like, statistically speaking, um, or at least I'm pretty sure it was him. Yep, it, uh, Jeff Daniels. Yep. Harry. Harry. Uh, he uh, was like, you know, statistically speaking, you're not uh, you're more likely to get in an accident within 20 miles of your home. And then uh, the other character, um, Jim Carrey's, I'm pretty sure Jim Carrey's, it might, they might've been flipped because it's been a long time since I saw this particular scene. It was like, well, what about all the people that are within 20 miles of their houses right now? Uh, <laughs> I was like, uh, good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, it's that thing of, it's that thing of the statistics loaded because you're going to have statistically, you're going to be within five miles of your house most of your life anyway. Barring like you going on a trip or, you know, you going to these other places. It's like that again, that also that same belief of like how foreign it is. Air travel feels so dangerous. And yet, because there's a professional airbusing you around to places and they're monitoring you most of the time, odds of accidents happening are very slim. In fact, it was such a fluke and it was because of a new airplane that got rushed through production that we had two major accidents in a year. I mean, that was a fluke of all things, just because of the fact that it was a new plane. But uh, it because it, it always makes it makes me it, it made me think of like that saying, um, "It's always in the last place you look." Yeah, it's like why is it always in the last place you look? It's like because why would you keep looking if you found it? Yeah, but I always like to say cause that's why I always try to amend that statement because. Language is still important to me as much as I've got, I've loosened up on it. I'm like, why is it always in the last place I think to look? There you go. That's where, yeah, that's what you should be saying. Yeah. It's that thing of, of course it's not, of course it's in the last place you look, because why would you look anywhere else? Oh, I agree with you on that. It's just, it is that weird thing though of, with so many of these, and it goes back to so many of the other creatures that we talk about, gorgons vampires it's so much of this is either a warning of like don't do a thing or even the kappa don't go near the water you know it's that thing of don't do a thing or else you'll get caught by the bad stuff you know and or it's like with the fey be nice or else be nice or else you're gonna get in trouble yeah this thing that is way more powerful and scary than you might curse you uh, because they can hide amongst us. It was the same because that's like what uh, Odin and a lot of the stories would like to do was to test people on um, their hospitality. And if you were good, hey, you got a present. If you're bad, well, crap. So uh, to get back to our main topic, 
because I'm actually going to try to uh, establish some kind of like creature and not just like talk about it. And like, I, I have an idea. Okay. So, so the first one is uh, I'm not, I'm like, it's not, this is not the one I'm going to go with, but it was just really kind of cool because like one of the first times I actually heard about this and um, it was in the book series encrypted by Shauna McGuire. Mm-hmm. They introduced uh, a holder, a holdera, even it's interchangeable under these terms uh yeah and it turns out it's more vampiric so it just drinks blood but to explain away the whole it has a hole in its back it's it's an ambulatory human human mimicking pitcher plant oh oh so that's its mouth <laughs> yeah basically yeah it's oh. uh it's just an open an open mouth yeah open maw for well, it's not a maw because it doesn't have teeth but it's an open place where like blood goes yeah and they look human to do the whole luring in things oh that's interesting yeah uh but i am going to go with an, a different route because we i'm still i'm going to establish it with our fey concept because i'm like the fey i'm like even if you'd like well they're not fey it's still a kind of hidden folk that are a lot of times invisible to us and like sometimes come from somewhere else uh sometimes always associated with the forest so I'm going to go with it because we talked about this with the Fae, like maybe uh, some kind of bug evolution. Oh. And uh, yeah. there's a lot of cases of bugs mimicking certain things. So like there is, uh, well, it, this is still flowers and stuff like that. A praying mantis? No, I was going to go with orchids. Oh, okay. Where or, there's an orchid, I'm pretty sure, that looks like, like um, some insect reproductive organs. Like literally, that's what it looks like. But yeah, there's also the praying mantis that looks like a flower, so it can hide in amongst the flowers. A lot of those praying mantises are there. Are so many beautiful. different types of mantises that I didn't realize, and then I started watching like snake discovery and other things like that, where they have these small mantises that really look like orchids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like the coloring and everything else is very, very beautiful. And then I'm reminded of uh, Beyond the Aquila Rift. It is from the show uh, Love, Death, Plus Robots. Oh. And uh, spoilers if you didn't watch that particular episode, but it's really kind of cool where these, the spaceship, they decide to, they or not decide, they uh, jump, they use like jump systems to like mm-hmm. go to, uh, across the stars. And um, this guy, he like finds himself like lost and they're like oh yeah you you're you've been lost for like centuries or decades or whatever and it happens sometimes and then he was like oh that sucks and like all his crew's dead and he's the only survivor but there happens to be a girl that he knew who was also had the same thing happen to him and he was like oh that's weird but things just kept being off mm-hmm. that he couldn't couldn't explain it and then what happens is he then wakes up in the real world. Turns out that uh, there was a basically like a psychic parasite that feeds off of all the people that uh, are trapped there. Like it doesn't sound like the, the thing lures them, but it just because it just happens. Yep, takes advantage of it. And the introduction of how what the creature looks like is really really cool. Um, so like you just see like this silhouette in like blackness and then this thing pops out and it has like a very feminine form 
and then the rest of it pops out of the shadow and it's like this giant spider looking thing wow i'm looking at it right now <laughs> yeah yeah it's and the the scene is just like really cool because it's like how would something like lure in men with when it's that big and that ugly it's like oh yeah well it's about lighting so yeah. we it could be like there's moths that have different patterns on their wings or beetles where they have that carapace that covers their wings. And I was thinking about that where it's um, that's what looks human that it kind of just like props it up. Yeah. So like it would still have that hollow back because of, because of, but then it still looks like a human silhouette or a human appearance. So like when you were talking about the Gorgons and you're like, well, why can't they have boobs or anything like that? Do the honey pot. It's like, yeah. Well, because of their basic approach in how they're hunting, that wouldn't make sense in my mind. Yeah. But in this, hey, if they are hunting humans, that could be beneficial. And since we've already talked about this with the Fae, that, you know, they could also be, they're from a different universe and that they also can, like, edit themselves and genetically engineer different off, off species. Yeah. So I was like, there you go. And they're in the woods, they're in the dark, and, like, you just see this thing that looks like a female and then mimics our voices or something like that and i could see that working yeah. pretty well and and we've also seen kind of like that in the movie mimic yeah where they, that was one of the big things was like these giant bugs which uh i'm like i don't know how they like it wouldn't have been all that good to like how it approached it, it was like it was very weird in the movie because it was like oh it's, it just looked like a dude in a trench coat yeah and like the only way but it, it's it's a good way of like you know looking like you're blending in and you can get homeless people like that's the only people that it could really do that too yeah um because but then this is yeah doing the actual sexy luring yeah then but then i'm like uh and then yeah we keep having in the stories that the lower part sometimes looks wrong depending on the story yeah and like like i said it's like part of that shell that comes together to kind of make that shape or some or some other mechanism entirely and that's why it could also have that variation between certain in, um, different individuals because you probably couldn't put your uh, uh masquerade up in the exact same way every time yeah and there probably be variation in lifestyle like you know something gets like torn up mm -hmm. on it and then you have like the wispy ears or um the back looks more like a jagged hole the older it gets yeah I was like, that would be, and it's, and that's also very terrifying too. that notion of something that looks like us and, uh, and then is just luring us away. So you're saying this is an insectoid. Yeah. So going back to the praying mantis, there's a type of praying mantis that looks like leaves. Yeah. And so I think praying mantises shed twice i think they uh, shed like well depending on how yeah how long they live this yeah. this particular one i think sheds like only a couple of times yeah and the thing with praying mantises is their adult form looks like their younger form so yeah it goes from nymph this is a general thing for like insects there is a, a the nymph stage that's like they're smaller and then they get the bigger stage and that that's their adult stage but I remember they my they don't, it's not like bees where they start out as a worm and then gradually uh, from there, from there going from nymph stage to adult stage, they've, their 
physically they physically look different than their younger selves. Um, but going back to praying mantises, the the thing about this particular species does is because it looks like leaf litter um, on the ground. What it will do is the final morph before it's uh, final shed before it's an adult. They the final change is going to be the color that they're going to stay at. So you could get a leaf mantis from a different area and it would look different than the leaf mantis that you would get from a different area because uh, they, they mimic and change their coloring to mimic the environment that they're in. And they they can do that up until their last shed when they're a full full adult. And then after that molt, because that's their last molt, that's what they'll look like. And they'll look like the types of leaves that they're surrounded by. Um uh this found this one. It's uh what do they give a name for it? It's a very long name. Uh, basically, what I found, there is an ant mimicking spider. So it's a spider that looks like an ant. And they still have eight legs. But what happens is, uh, so the difference between an insect and a spider is insect has six legs and six body, or three body segments. Spider has eight legs and two body segments. So they modified one of the body segments to, like, where it like, has, like, a more of a dip inside. So... If you, like, humans would look at it, it would look, you'd be like, well, that's an ant. But it's not an ant, it's a spider. But I was thinking, you know, that that thing where uh, if you take a Holdra and put it in a different community, it would end up changing and mimicking itself to match that community more than another community. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah. And there are... Uh, best thing about the this again it's like since we're talking we have it that the fey are an advanced species from a different dimension and so our concept of what a bug looks like or an insect or an arthropod in general can be drastically different to them yeah. so like how they approach it can be drastically different too and the cool thing about that one too is like it could be the males that are doing that too to yeah. eat, eat human because their yeah, like yeah. sexual dimorphism isn't limited to um, our concepts of what a male looks like or what a female looks like. Oh no, because there are species where males will, when male and females of the species look very different, the males will sometimes change themselves to look female to yeah. get in with the group. <laughs> yeah, and the or it's the, the peacock. If you ever look like a, at a peacock compared to a peafowl, yeah. It's like, oh, whoa, yeah. they're drastically different. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's like we talked about during the Kappas. That is an evolutionary disadvantage because yeah. for them, again, the females will mate with the the females will mate with the prettiest looking peacock they can find. Mm -hmm. And so the peahens look very plain. But being that bright, they are they attract predators. Like, but how many times do you need to reproduce to get like to actually reproduce? And the peafowl don't draw attention, but the males do. 
So the yeah. males can lure predators away easier. And the peafowls that are, lack of better words, drab or camouflaged are more hidden and better to protect the chicks. So you're saying that it's the male's lot in life to get eaten by the tiger to protect the species. Yes. And also, like, those uh, long feathers are only temporary. They they yeah. shed those, too. Yeah. Well, I would have to imagine so. It's like deer. I almost imagine it's like deer antlers. A lot of resources go into growing those. Yeah. Just the shed. We've had a long, fortuitous conversation about stuff. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to go over about them, or...? Um... No, not really. The coolest thing about it is um, like, it's it's still open to uh, interpretation. We haven't had like a lot of people commenting yet, and I'm kind of sad about that because like, yeah. I want to know if we're doing good or anything like that, but also because I want to see other people's like interpretations of what we're saying. And, and mm. sadly, we haven't gotten any of that, and I'm it makes me kind of sad inside. Wow. So yeah. I want to see your guys' interpretations. Well, I think the hard part is we also don't have a large audience. We don't have the audience to get any major responses. Considering the fact that we really don't advertise anything, like the fact that we get as many people as we do is something of a shocker. Yes. Um, now, I had one question. Um, I had been thinking about it, and then I wondered... Has there been any history of um, creatures with two spines? Um, yes, kind of. Uh, I know it was so. It wasn't that so much the spines? It was during the Cambrian explosion. I think it was. Uh, there was a lot of different creatures that had different like uh, neural pathways. So there would be things that had like. I think there was one that kind of had like an X shape spinal mm -hmm. column kind of thing because i'm like these are like super simple creatures too so i can't say it like oh they had two different spinal columns because i'm like that's too complicated to say that they had that uh i don't but in mythical creatures um i don't know of many that had okay that's a lie uh i know of at least one character or creature that had like dual spinal columns but that was in a um monster hunter international they had a creature that was kind of once again bug-like uh, that had twin uh, spinal columns. Okay. Because I had, with my limited knowledge, I had been wondering that because when I was thinking about it before we got on, I was like, maybe if some, if he had two spinal columns, that would give you the gap in the uh, back. Well, so with that one, um, the only problem with that one would be if it was like kind of like a Klingon. So in, in Star Trek, Klingons technically have two spinal columns. They have a redundant spinal, like, uh, spinal cord. And uh, because, once again, they genetically engineered themselves, or, like, it's deep lore where that's, that's what they, people think that's what happened. Because, like, that's why they keep looking different, depending on the show. Okay. Um, and also they have, like, redundant organs and, like, all this other stuff. They have eight eight chambered hearts, three lungs, uh, I think three or four kidneys, like all this other stuff. And they have like redundant spinal cord. Um, and that would be the only real benefit I, I can think of where you'd have two, because if you have two, that's just double the amount of information that has to go up and down. Yeah. Yeah. You because have, if you th yeah, think about like evolution a is very much a thing about efficiency and having two 
spinal columns for no other purpose is a waste of energy when you could just have one spinal column do everything. Yeah. But yeah, and and then even in the for the Klingons, the the secondary one isn't as robust as the other one. Yeah. Or oh, there is a there's a character in X-Men called Phantom X. Uh, he was developed by Grant Morrison in the early 2000s, and it was really interesting because he had an external nervous system. Like that was kind of his power. It's it's very that particular character is very complicated on what he was and who he is, but it was able to take his external nervous system was able to take shape of uh, a spaceship. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and at one point his uh, ship gets shot down, and he was like, "Oh, give me a second, I got to use my backup nervous system." Everything's now black and white. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, that's it. Once again, that's also uh, X-Men mutants where nothing they do actually is, makes any kind of biological sense. Or there are characters that are like, no, that's physically impossible for that to actually make any damn sense. Yeah. No, well, and that's, well, I was going to get into this because um, going back to the idea of them being insectoid, would they then be, are there a, a lot of are there any insects that have a skeletal structure? No, um, as of right now, they are just exoskeletons. Okay. Um, so once again, it's they because of that they are able to be pound for pound stronger than anything uh, because they have more connection points for muscles to grab onto as compared to us, where all we have are these thin tubes inside of our bodies made of calcium. Mm, calcium tubes. Mm. And it so they can do that. But then once again, we don't have enough oxygen in our environment for uh, for them to be any bigger than they are. Yeah. So my and like I was establishing that we're having that they're probably genetically engineering themselves for like a caste system. Yeah. So that's why you could have like, oh, yeah, they started off as insect like creatures Mm -hmm. or that exoskeletons. But then they're like, well, this would be more efficient and allow us to be bigger, blah, blah, blah. And then also we can still establish that maybe some of these creatures, like eventually we're probably going to have to talk about trolls. Yeah. And trolls are a lot of times associated with Fae. And they're a lot of times, depending on the media, they're depicted as these giant armored monsters that, you know, you can unload it on them and they won't get hurt. Yeah. So I was like, that sounds like uh, something that has either really, really tough skin or an exoskeleton. Yeah. And then once again, genetically engineered to have a better circulatory system and uh, a more efficient coolant system. Yeah. Because that's the only way those things could probably exist without lighting themselves on fire. Yeah. Now, again, with the idea of them being also a smaller, like, you know, the idea of them having to be a certain size just because if they have an exoskeleton, Mm -hmm. they also don't have that same circulatory system to efficiently transfer oxygen could they to create a full-sized human being looking thing could they group could they work together as a group yeah i was i was thinking about that too where uh when i was thinking about this um because i was like either like you know a, a beetle where it has that weird carapace to protect the wings or like a moth where it has patterns on its wings to look like something and that's a very thin membrane so it's like that could be what's thrown up or yeah, we could, you could have it that it's uh, again, a silhouette or something like that. That is a hive, a collective. Mm-hmm. And because, Hey, 
uh, if you have a bunch of small things, that would be still beneficial to lure in a very big thing of prey. Yeah. So uh, one of the coolest variations of Spider-Man is uh, also one of the freakiest. Its name is Spiders Man. And made of spiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a collect. It is a, a a hive mind where in that universe, Peter Parker fell into a vat of radioactive spiders. They ate him, and they gained his co- like gained all his memories. But Ew. they're basically just a a colony of spiders that has all his memories, and uh, they fit into like this Spider-Man shaped suit, and that's that universe's Spider-Man. Interesting and or freaky. Yes, very much so. Uh, it's awesome because, uh, like, at one point, in it was in into it was in Spider Verse, the the comic. Um, I kind of hope, like, into the Spider Verse too, they have Spiders Man because that would be awesome. We'll see. Uh, uh, but they, it's kind of cool because you see one of his thought, its thought bubbles, and it's like that that and there was like a kid or something, and like that kid looks delicious because uh-huh. it was a bunch of spiders, and like I'm hungry. Yeah. We're hungry. Yeah. No, that's oof. Yes. Great. Now, now, great. Now I freaked myself out. We're going back to we're going back to Holder our evil. Yeah, could be. And then yeah, you and then to uh, soften the other, um, you tell good stories where they are beneficial to so you, that you aren't as scared of these really horrific monsters. Well, and what if that's another mechanism though? If the it's idea of the Holder releasing some. Because the only ones who are going to come back and tell you about anything are those who come back. Yep. Okay. So I know now I, I need a lot of help with this one, Mac, mm-hmm. with uh, biology. But playing with the idea that the Holda is a colony type concept, there is, I, I don't know if it's a. It's some sort of sea creature that sort of seems like a jellyfish, but it's not one creature. It, you have the digestive parts are a different creature, and the swimming parts are a different creature, but they all function together as if they're one creature. You, do you recognize that? No. Never heard of anything like that because the only examples that I've ever heard of with hive creatures, it's they never actually are like a hive mind where they are one single entity. But I'm like, technically, that's what we. But technically, that's what we are. Um, we are just one giant hive creature of made up of individual cells that stick together. Um, same thing with like how our cells work because of the mitochondria. Mitochondria. Um, we don't exactly know where they come from but we believe that it was it's actually like a a bacteria that is able to produce atp that our cells ate or early cells like ate and but never uh destroyed and they just basically live along with us that's why you have two different types of dna you have your mitochondrial dna that is generally passed down by um uh, maternal lines and then your dna because I'm like, uh, the other one that I can always think about is um, like a lanternfish. So lanternfishes um, have really weird sexual dimorphism in the sense of like weird by, by human standards, where the males are these tiny little 
fish and the females are huge, but then the males just become basically a parasite to the females. It's not a parasite in the same aspect because it's, it would be a, it's a symbiote. So uh, the males don't have to do anything and they get all the nutrients from the females. Nor that's what would be a parasite. But the um, symbiotic thing is that then it produces forever producing sperm for the female um, lanternfish. Yeah. I've seen, I, I've seen the true facts about the anglerfish. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I've never heard of anything like that. Uh, if, um, anybody has heard, please write in and tell us. Um, Sifano force. Uh, I spell that S I P H O N O P H O R E. Yes. Oh, maybe I have heard seen these. Um, Siphonophores is an er, uh, an order of Hydrozoa, which is a class of marine organisms with the phylum Cynatidae. It's a colonial organism and uh, multicellular units that build the colonies. Um, a single bud called a probud initiates the growth of the, a colony that undergoes fusion. No, fission, not fusion. I will have to look into... Yeah, this is uh, something that I have to look into way deeper. But I thought that might be applicable to join with what Mike was mentioning. Yeah, uh, colony species. Neat. So that would get around the whole... You have smaller parts that make up the bigger whole, so then you don't have to worry about the um, lack of efficiently transferring... Uh, going uh, sorry Mike was talking about uh, the inefficiency of being a um, exo oh oh you were talking about for an exoskeleton where we don't need to worry about the size of the creature because the you'd have this colony organism so then it's made up of multiple parts so then it, you don't have to worry about a six foot tall insect that could not be because it's not efficient for them to get that big yeah am i making yes. sense with where i'm yes, yes going yeah it, yeah it's a yeah hive species basically uh yeah it's because uh, in the idea what i was th in in thinking about this was kind of like just a bunch of carnivorous um, butterflies okay. that just group together in that idea of it being like a hive that's working all together um, because like each wing can just be kind of a particular color and like with a particular pattern and to give that um, look of a silhouette or the look of something else. And that works because their wings are sort of like triangles. So you got the poly. Yeah, <laughs> you got a Laura Croft, Laura Croft, PS One. Yeah, well, it would be it would be more uh, pixel, more uh, smaller pixels because they'd be smaller creatures. I know. I'm just saying. Oh, 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 that. oh! Wait, 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 wait! Oh, and this would also kind of uh make sense because of the hollow in the back too, that they attach themselves onto a tree. And then it just gives that illusion of a silhouette because there'd be like some that have black. And it would be beneficial for them to look for a rotting tree. Yeah, because then they 
or they sit there or do they just happen to find a rotting tree they they prefer rotting trees for different beneficial reasons yeah we can say that well 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 full circle looks like we've looks like we've created a holder yeah congratulations everyone your holder is now a bug or many bugs put together many bugs yeah many bugs and don't be when you go in through the woods don't be surprised if you see a really polyhedric looking Laura Croft standing with her back to you and there's a hole in it. Yeah. You're okay. Don't worry about it. You're safe. Hopefully. Congratulations. We we did it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like that's, yeah. This is why I really enjoy this where it's like you can have multiple different perspectives of it and then multiple different versions of the same thing over and over and over. But yeah. then getting that one idea that kind of just avalanches to another one. Yeah. No, this is good. Okay. So we have given you multiple different types of what, how this holder holdra we keep can't, we can't speak. None of us can. Well, it, it goes by many names at this point. Um, so next week, uh, so hopefully next week, uh, or next time, not next week, we will have a special guest, my friend crystal, and we will talk about unicorns. Mm, unicorns. unicorns. Now we'll get to learn where glitter comes from. A Real Creature Feature is created by Matt Kuklinski, starring Matt Kuklinski, Michael Seaman, and Dean Snow. Any questions, comments, artwork, or general inquiries can be sent to realcreaturefeature at gmail.com. You can view any submitted fan art and pictures on our Instagram at a real creature feature. Some episodes were recorded weeks in advance due to our current sporadic recording schedule. Any comments left will be seen and addressed at some point, and you will be credited unless you tell us you wish to remain anonymous. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on the podcast app that works best for you. It really helps us out. Also, tell your friends, enemies, and total strangers about the podcast. They might enjoy it too, and that can bring us all closer together. You know what? We're gonna do it. We're gonna tackle this one just like we tackled for uh Bigfoot. How about what? Nessie? Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. We're gonna talk about Nessie and dream how does it make dream killer. Hey, this is a dream of my own that I killed. Too bad you didn't sign up for the uh not attack on like Loch Ness. Uh it there is a group that is after a, Occupy, on, Lo- Occupy no, Loch Ness. No. Occu- oh. After the attack on Area 51. No. Oh, they wanted to do that with... Somebody yeah. created a group for um, Loch Ness and they they went under the tagline Nessie can't hide from all of us. Yeah, they can. Just like... Uh, Ass- assault on Loch Ness, I'm guessing, then. Yep. Where... Uh, Area 51 is like, they can't shoot all of us. Yes, they she can. can't hide from all of us. Well, I mean, look, so far she's been doing a fantastic job. Yeah. But I mean, only she's... six people ended up showing up at the allotted time. Well, in that case, then yes. Yes, she I thought can. There was like a, I thought them. a bunch of people showed up, but they were like partied and, instead. That was the assault on Area 51. Oh, okay. You're, uh, okay. It yeah, was yeah. a long, yeah. No, we're talking about the Loch Ness one, which, um, yeah, the Area Fifty One ended up being a big like. It basically ended up falling apart 
because you know some people didn't want to get shot and died. And yeah. the town that they were gonna do it at was uh, only five hundred people, and they did not have any all facilities. the necessities. Yeah. yeah, no. To make that so, yeah. work. So what ended up happening is it essentially became three separate events. Uh, the original creator of the assault on Area 51 uh, had set up like this big party in Vegas for people who just wanted to have fun. Oh, uh, what beer company sponsored uh, Budweiser, that? Budweiser. Budweiser. Budweiser stepped in and was like, here, let's just do it in Las Vegas. 